This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? It is another edition of the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports. As always, you got to download that Odyssey app and get all the episodes first. Brought to you by Sports Radio 94 at WIP. Brought to you by Kyle Newbeck, of course, of Philly Voice. And today, Kyle, the pod is brought to you by everybody's old friend. He's back, back like he never left. Montrez Harrell, I'm laying in bed last night uh, checking my thread because that's what I do now. I'm a, I'm, I'm a thread guy. I'm off Twitter, but uh, oh my god, <laughs> we'll 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 talk about that. Maybe I'm curious for your opinion on it. But um, so I'm checking Twitter obviously because nothing is on Thread yet, and I see Montrez Harrell has is back with the team, one year deal. Uh, the hilarity and the insanity that ensued both on Twitter and Thread after people were not happy about this. Um, so I guess we'll just dive right into that, Kyle. Uh, you know, obviously you cover you cover the team. Give me your non kind of emotional view of this and then I can kind of go off on it. Well, I will say the emotion I felt is that it was like 1130 last night. I was laying down (laughs) on my couch. Just I was about to watch the finale of season two of The Bear, which I will not spoil for anybody. Look at you. And I'm in my Zen mode and I just get the out of the blue alert that Montrez Harrell is back with the team. And so then Mm -hmm. I just. I roll my eyes and say, what the fuck? And <laughs> I think that's just, what everybody did. And I, mine is less like, it, I would say it was definitely a surprise for me. This is the first thing they did where I had an audible reaction to it. And it was yeah. kind of out of nowhere. I, I think I would say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, that I prepared a lot of people for sort of what they were going to do, who they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. maxi stuff all that and i've been you know ahead of, a step ahead for the most part this you, one you definitely have been yeah this one was just like i was with the fans on this one where it's why is this happening what are they doing um i tried to gather some information on that and i, I don't think any of the explanations have been good i know that one of the first concerns that people had coming out of this is does this mean Paul Reed's not coming back? The team is still saying, hey, we're still interested in bringing Paul back. 
To which I say, why the fuck would you carry four big men on a roster right. where your best player is a max contract center who is the star of the team, number one? If you want to get into like speculative territory and say, hey, maybe they're doing this to appease James Harden and this is another sign that Harden's back, you should not be wasting roster spots on, hey, this is a guy that Harden liked playing like with seven Mm -hmm. years ago or whatever and they burned a lot of minutes on that last year in part because james had a slight preference for montrez over paul reed that that faded over time and reed certainly was the better player at the end of the year like all the potential explanations for me are just bad and and i think the the headline here for me you can spin the beverly signing in positive ways for them you can spin the mo bamba signing which we haven't even talked about yet in positive ways for them i don't see how you can look at the harold deal who declining player who had his worst year ever on a lot of metrics last year who a lot of people were just thrilled to not see on the floor anymore they got better as soon as he was pulled from the rotation at that spot at his position it, there's just no credible and positive explanation for bringing him back, basically. So, so I agree. It's definitely I, like the Pep Beverly signing. I could get down with. I, I think he. I think he's probably a little better than other people do. The Mo Bamba one, we'll talk about in a second. I was very impressed by his 12 minute YouTube highlight. So I, I might be very. <laughs> in. I might be very in on Mo Bamba. The Montrez Harold thing. Obviously, nobody wants him on the team. I did think last year there were spurts where he looked okay. But to your point, they were way better once he stopped playing. Paul Reed took that job over and he was way better. So there is some speculation on Twitter, which I think is important to at least note that maybe, maybe he opted out and he was always going to come back for like luxury NBA cap purposes. I don't understand. And if you view it that way, then if Montrez Harold just opts in, we're sitting here and going, well, that sucks, but there's nothing the team can do about it. So maybe this is something where the Sixers don't even really want him back, but he was going to be back either way. You can make the argument, well, once he opts out, you can just, you know, not bring him back. But at the end of the day, it does suck. Uh, it's a wasted roster spot. I've been enjoying watching um, the summer league games. They're three in. We're going to talk about them in a second. And it does suck to think that maybe Montrez Harold's spot could be used with maybe, and I don't think it would straight up impact this, but what if now Ricky Council doesn't have a spot? Or what if my boy Turk doesn't have a spot? So there are those, those. Well, those guys are on two-way deals. So they're, they're fine. They don't have to worry about them unless you want to actually convert them to real deals and use them on a night to night basis, then that becomes a problem. But for now they're all right. So you've eased that concern of mine. I'm not concerned about Jaden Springer using a roster spot, but we'll we'll, we'll get into that uh, later on. But as far as the four center thing, one positive spin I can think of, which maybe does have some truth, is maybe with all these centers, Mo Bamba, if they do indeed bring Paul Reed back, we'll see if Paul Reed does come back. Um, so that's that's part of it. And then now Montrez, and then obviously Embiid, like Tucker has played some small ball five at times. Maybe they're just going to play Joel way less minutes. And then come playoff time, he's fresher. Maybe that's the solution they've come up with. Like, so maybe, maybe that's it. But the issue is, even if you're going to do that, nobody wants to see Montrez Harrell on the floor. Um, with the Harden thing, I, 
I actually think it's basically just a coincidence and funny that they've signed two of his friends. I don't really think it means anything. Like Harden's not going to come back because Montrez is here. Maybe because Pat Bev is here, it gives him a little extra motivation if he's truly on the fence. But I don't buy the Harden stuff. To me, I view this as like Montrez was probably going to be back either way. It's frustrating the way this happened that we had hoped that he wasn't. But ultimately, it's a wasted roster spot that was probably going to be wasted anyway. Yeah, the the counterpoint I would make to the whole handshake deal speculation is that if they were so, let's look big picture here. The indication last summer was that James Harden took a discount in some respects because he was expecting that to come back to him this year and this off season, and that that was kind of a hey, if you do this a solid now, next year we're we'll do what we got to do to, to uh, figure things good. out. Yeah. Right. Yep. And if they were willing to say, fuck you to James Harden and not give him money, why would they, why would they honor a handshake deal with Montrez Harrell? Who's a minimum contract guy. Yeah. Who's like barely hanging on to a spot in the league like that. Logically, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Well, but, financially, but it's, financially, it's way less money for what it's worth. It's way less money. But like, if you're willing to go back on what you're saying to James Harden, who is a much more meaningful and powerful person in the league than Montrez Harrell, it's like, why are you worried about pissing off Trez? Like, yeah, I'm sure that it wouldn't be the best thing to do to his agent. And, you know, we can get into how powerful agents are in the right. grand scheme of the league. But it's just like, it doesn't make any logical sense that they would allegedly have that kind of thing with James say, no, man, you're not good enough to get a long-term deal at max money. And then essentially uphold a similar arrangement with Trez, who is far, far, far down the importance scale. So that's where I would say that doesn't really hold up. Regardless of the reasoning, I just think it's bad and it's a bad allocation of resources. I think it's been a consistent problem, honestly, that they've carried too many bigs. And to your point about maybe you play Joel less minutes in the regular season, he's resting up, he's more prepared for the playoffs or he's fresher for the playoffs. I actually think if you were to talk to like their head of medical and the people who do the sports science stuff. I think there's been pushback from sports trainers and, and people who study this stuff that more rest or at least like fewer minutes is a bad thing. Like I know Doc Rivers talked about this some publicly last year that there's medical people often say at the end of the season, you want to be ramping these guys up and up and up and up and up. And that it actually benefits them in some ways yeah. to just consistently be playing high minutes. Now there's certainly, there's a line there, right? You don't want to be Tom Thibodeau and you're playing these guys 40 minutes a night, every night. But I also don't think you want to be playing a guy, let's say 30, 32 minutes a night. And then all of a sudden it's April and it's, Oh, Hey, you got to play like an extra 10 to 12 minutes mm-hmm. every single game in the playoffs. And so, I would caution it like if you want to give him more rest within games for a while during the season and you need innings eater type players, I, I think that's a fair stance to have. I just think you can do that without using an entire roster spot on a guy who really should not be getting any minutes in the year 2023. Well, do you think he could get cut 
Like, I'm not familiar enough with how the NBA cap works. Like, do you think there's a, there's a chance that, yes, he's now on this deal, but they'll just cut him in camp? Or is this, or, or is he going to be on the roster? It really, all of this kind of depends on, in theory, yes, you can cut him and they're still going to owe him the money. It's a fully guaranteed deal. So he's going to get paid regardless. The question is, will that be punitive for them based on, where they're at with regards to the luxury tax right. and the aprons. And because if you're further into the tax, further above those aprons, your mechanisms to then replace him with another guy in that roster spot get smaller and smaller the deeper you get into the season because you're likely closer to second apron territory or whatever it is. So it's that's hard to say because we have no idea what this team is going to look like. Right. Again, as I've said a hundred times, so much of this hinges on what the hell are they doing with Harden? What's coming back for him in the trade? Because if they have, you know, three guys that come back on 10 to $20 million deals and they're taking up those roster spots and they're on salary that's pushing them closer and closer to the second apron numbers, then cutting a guy just means you're not going to have another guy on the roster. Well, so that's, that's kind of my next question. And it's, well, so it's Paul Reed first, just quickly. Do you believe Paul Reed is going to be back? I think it's a coin flip at this point, I would say. So I was told all throughout that he's going to explore the market and things of that nature. So I would assume he's still probably talking to teams, seeing what's out there. And it's going to come down to, are the Sixers going to match whatever he commands in free agency? And so it's hard to say. Like, it is later in free agency now. This is not the initial rush where you might get a bigger deal. This is a team might actually probably offer him shorter term and say, hey, we'll we'll give you like a balloon payment for Mm -hmm. one year because we just need to fill our or go up to the salary floor. Like, for example, I don't know that this would be a thing they do, but the San Antonio Spurs have just a ton of money that they have to spend based on the CBA. Maybe the Spurs just say, we'll give you X amount of dollars to back up Wemby or play with Wemby Mm -hmm. in certain circumstances. And maybe they just swoop in and say, you know, fuck it, we're not using this money on anything anyway. And you're out there and, you're a, a decent contributor, so we'll bring you in. So I don't – maybe something like that happens and that just prices the Sixers out because I don't think they're going to pay a ton of money to keep Reed on the roster. I think if it's a reasonable deal, they'll bring him back. But it's uh, – I don't know where his free agency is at at the moment, and so we'll have to wait and see on that. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm just trying to envision a world and I'll credit my former boss and friend Spike Eskin on this. Uh, I'm just trying to envision a world where Paul Reed leaves and Montres Harrell comes back in the reaction. People are already super mad at this team. If that happens, I will certainly be updating my thread and Twitter throughout the day, seeing, uh, seeing <laughs> how people feel about this. So you mentioned something um, I want to get into before we, you know, kind of, talk about the summer league and, and end this. I know you have a big day ahead of uh, exciting, exciting furniture shopping that I'm actually jealous of. But anyway, so the uh, you mentioned the Harden thing and how they're yeah. kind of on hold for, for this. When we last talked, uh, we both kind of agreed that Daryl was willing to wait this out and that he very well could be back. But at what point is it like, other teams are ma- are getting better or making moves or doing things. And the Sixers are kind of handcuffed by this. Like, do you real do you think the Harden thing is preventing them from doing other moves? Or do you think they kind of have this where, look, if he's back, we'll be able to execute X, Y, and Z quickly. Or we know if a trade happens that we're bringing in contributing players, because as of now, if Harden's back, like they've added Mo Bamba, who I like Pat Bev, whatever. They, they certainly have not made any type of significant addition that would make fans think, okay, this team could be different. Yeah, I just think a lot of this is as simple as they can't make moves of significance when the Harden thing is still kind of just hanging there in the air, right? When you have a guy who's going to make, was it $36 million yeah. this year? And you're potentially turning that into, I don't know, let's – Let's just use the Clippers example that we keep bringing up. You're going to turn that into Terrence Mann at $10 million and Norm Powell at $18 million and Robert Covington at $11 million. And then that's three guys on your roster. It's three contracts as well, guys that you might potentially trade later and flip into more stuff. I know that it's a frustrating approach from the fan base's perspective, and I get it because, look, this has been essentially what we're seeing in terms of the reaction, I think, is just the built-up anger over years, right? Oh, yeah. This is not just about this offseason and signing Trez specifically or signing Pat Bev specifically. It's the fact that they've run into this same wall over and over again. People are hoping for more creativity, more activity, They see Nick Nurse get hired and they're like, okay, that's a step in the right direction, right? That's a well-regarded coach, Mm -hmm. somebody who's a potential upgrade over Doc Rivers, so on and so forth. And then you get to the actual player acquisition part and the whiteboard leaks on Twitter. And that's like a whole thing that people get mad about. You get the free agency. Their only signings are minimum moves. They're sending messages, whether they actually believe this or not that Harden could come back despite the fact that he clearly wants out of here. I think it's completely justifiable frustration from the fan base, but I think that Daryl Morey and the front office's approach is they don't have to actually take the floor for an NBA game until October. 
and they're going to use all that time to their advantage. And maybe that blows up in their face that we very well could be sitting here in late September and say they fucking sat on their hands and they didn't do anything. And they're waiting for the hardened domino to fall and it still hasn't fallen. And now you're staring down a situation where Harden comes into training camp and we don't know what the hell is going to happen. So that's the risk they're taking with the idea in mind that they have, again, two and a half months to try to sort this out and make the team better. And we can sit here and be logical and rational and say they have that time and I will wait and see until the whole thing is complete. There's no reason to judge a team that's not actually playing basketball games, right? Like mm-hmm. none of this is all paper shit anyway. The, right. Nothing that they do right now matters until Montrez Harrell has to actually play minutes for this team, which, you know, God willing, we won't have to watch <laughs> that this year. But I can absolutely understand why people are in a lot of corners of the fan base livid about where they're at right now. So I would just stress to anyone from the Sixers that might be either smart or dumb enough to listen to this pod and listen to me talk about Sixers. But like I've been working at WIP for five years. I've been listening to WIP my whole life. I honest to God cannot remember a time where where the station went this many days in a row with all three main shows talking about the Sixers and all about how mad the fans are. So I would just caution them. And I'm not saying you can make moves based off the fans. Like, I get that. But man, the fans really are super furious. I defended this team for like four hours yesterday saying they were more winners than the Phillies, blah, blah, blah. Like, people are furious. So to your point, like... This has not been an offseason that's helping with that. Now, to the whole waiting on Harden thing, I would also caution them on that. Now, it worked out with Ben Simmons because at the last minute you were able to pull off a deal for James Harden. But if that deal doesn't get passed, like if it doesn't get done in time for the deadline or Harden at the last minute's like, oh, I'll just wait, then you've basically blown that situation too because you're stuck with Ben. Maybe he comes back, maybe he doesn't. He probably does not come back. So you play a full season without him. So this idea of like, yeah, Daryl's willing to wait, and he did it with Ben. Like, it almost didn't work with Ben. And some fans would argue it didn't work with Ben because you traded him for Harden. I think it was a good move, but some fans would say that. So if you're going to wait and wait and wait on Harden, and that blows up in your face, like that, it's an extremely, extremely risky strategy for uh, for the Sixers to, to, to be trying to pull off. Like, it just is. And especially with the Dame thing out there. I mean, there's been a little more of that. Like, he keeps emphasizing it's going to be Miami. But it feels like they're just waiting for all these things and they could end up with nothing to show for it. Yeah. What I would say to that is there are always more situations in the NBA where a guy is closer to asking out or leaving than you would think. I mean, I think the Zion situation was a good example. I think very few people were actively like, man, the Pelicans are going to come into this offseason and explore trading him. But then that's all you hear in the week leading up to the draft. And it's like, oh, my God, Zion might be available. And you kind of go down that road really quickly. So I think if they really want to make a move, there will be a move out there. Again, the question just becomes, and I've said this a thousand times, I feel like, is it a move that they actually really want to make? Or is it a move without real significant downside, whether it's, you know, Zach Levine with his contract? guy like Zion where, you know, the injury history is what it is. And that's a disaster on that front. 
and we could just we could go through example after example of you know what they could possibly do if a Clippers type move or a Dame type move is not in the cards for them. I I agree with you though, just because they were able to navigate the Ben situation and it was smart for them to wait that out does not mean the same will be true this time. It also doesn't mean that they're going to fail and that it won't work because yeah. the opposite's going to happen. But there is risk that they're assuming by not just kind of putting a roster together and having something that, look, this is what we have on paper and this is what we're going to do. Like to, to sit here on July 7th when a lot of teams are essentially done with their major activity and say, yeah, we don't really know what the team's going to look like yet. There's pretty significant risk to that. Yeah, there, there really is. And it just it just keeps making me think we're we're staring down the barrel of a season that uh, the fans are, it's going to be ugly to start. And we'll see if they, they're able to navigate that. So you said the Sixers aren't playing games. That is true. They have some time. Their summer league team, though, is playing some games. They, uh, they've now played three games out in Utah. Uh, the third one last night was embarrassing they did make a run at the end but they're they got absolutely waxed for most of that game uh let's just start with kind of what are your big picture takeaways obviously i think there's three main people to discuss from this but um just what what would have what has stood out to you in the three games i would say i'm very concerned about Jaden springer yeah i i think he has definitely shown that the stuff he was already pretty good at has gotten better as he's gotten a little bit older. He's stronger from being in NBA weight rooms and, and you know having some experience and just some age under his belt. He's still pretty young. He's only going to turn 21 this year, which is crazy to think about. Or he actually turns 21 like next week, I think. So he's super, super young for a guy who's entering his third season of his NBA career. I think the problem I have with him, one, I don't trust his shot still. Two, I don't think he can actually dribble. And <laughs> two major problems. Those are two big problems for a guard. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing there were, when he was coming out as a prospect, I hadn't watched him a ton. And a lot of the scouts and draft writer type people that I trust noted that he was a really prominent. Uh, two-footed leaper and that's the sort of thing that I look at and I sit I'm like in your head you think well that's not a huge deal right like that's it doesn't make a a big difference you wouldn't think and then you watch him play and there are so many possessions where Jaden looks like he has a step on somebody or he's able to beat his first guy and because he can't explode off of one foot and just go up for a layup or a dunk attempt he actually slows down and either allows his man to catch up to him or the shot blocker from the weak side rotates and all of a sudden whatever advantage he had created is gone. And so a lot mm-hmm. of those layups at the rim are getting blocked, are getting altered in some way by the rotating shot blocker. And so if he's not able to get to the free throw line, which he's done a very good job at at Summer League, guys have had a hard time trying to stop him from just kind of barreling through them, which I think is a big positive. His paths other than that to score have been fairly limited. And the bigger thing for the pro team is that he hasn't shot well. If he doesn't make threes, 
I just don't see how he stays on the floor. No team is going to worry about him as a shooter. They'll just sag off of him, and he's going to play bigger, stronger, faster guys at the NBA level compared to Summer League and the G League. And so I just don't know how he produces on offense consistently enough in order to you know, get anything out of the defensive side of the ball. Where I do think, look, he's shown flashes there. He's been good there. I do think that if you look at just how he's reading the game, he's been a step ahead on a lot of things, and he's a good man defender, and we can sing his praises there. But I think a guy in his third year as a player in summer league needs to be like a wow type guy. Yeah. This needs to be absolutely blowing away the competition. Actually, better example of that, Jalen Williams, who plays for the Thunder, did not play. They have two Jalen Williams, by the way, but the Jalen mm-hmm. Williams from Santa Clara, who they drafted last year, made first team all rookie. He doesn't even need to be playing in summer league and played the first two games for them just to get reps, which is, look, I credit him for that. Yeah. He came out in that first summer league game for Oklahoma City and looked like fucking Kawhi Leonard in summer league. <laughs> and I think Jalen Williams is a very good young player. He is not Kawhi Leonard. So right. that's the sort of thing. A guy has a good rookie year and is on an upward trend. They come in and just destroy people. Like Maxi, another great example. He came in and played summer league. And it was very clear after he had some NBA experience under his belt that he was just so much better yeah. than every guy on that floor. And they pulled him out of summer league because he dominated the competition so badly. And it was more meaningful to see other guys get reps and opportunities. So that to me is the big thing right now. I just don't think Springer has been good enough or has been good to the level that I'm thinking about him as a future rotation guy. And I think that's a pretty big disappointment. So far. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how much I can add to that. I think you broke it down pretty correctly. Like it's just concerning to see him not looky, like even the best player on the Sixers, let alone the best player on the floor. What I keep seeing when I see him, and maybe this isn't a great equivalency, but he reminds me of a little bit of an extremely poor Marcus Smart in the way that I can see the way he contributes of like being annoying on defense, like, you know, like things like that, but he can't shoot. And so flat out, he's like, he's not a good offensive player. He can't shoot. Uh, And you're right. He should be dominating. His body type to me just doesn't scream NBA player. I think he's always going to have physical limitations. And because of that, he'll have to be so perfect in every other other area just to be a somewhat contributing player. Uh, And it's a shame because they've spent a lot of time like investing in this guy, but it just doesn't look like it's going to pan out for him. Now, one person that I think it very clearly is going to pan out for, and I think, you know, to me, looks like they really have something is uh, Turkavion Smith. Like the shot looks good to me. I lo- my favorite thing about him, he takes like 10 threes a game. Like he is not afraid to shoot. He is a hot. Uh, no, he is not afraid in yeah. any way. <laughs> no, he is very, very happy to shoot, which I like. Like in this spot, I like. But what's really stood out to me about him is he's a way better passer than I thought. Like when I watch his initial highlights um, when they drafted him, I was like, all right, this guy is just basically like a bucket. Like that's what he does. He's had four or five nice passes in these three games where I'm surprised that, that he, that he made that pass. So uh, look, I don't think he's going to come to the Sixers and average 12 points or eight points or anything like that. But I think that if he's a solid passer, they talked last night on the broadcast about how Nick nurse wants to see him run the offense. 
like he can definitely shoot. So if they, they do end up looking for a backup point guard and extremely spot minutes early on, and they want to give him some time, like he's at least somebody that you can put on the court. He'll be willing to shoot. He's a good shooter. And if he can run the offense or at least be a decent passer, I see a path to him getting, you know, maybe some minutes early on. Well, so I want to just quick segue back to Springer connected to that. I think in fairness to him, part of my problem with him is that he just hasn't been as involved as I would like to see when he's on the floor. But I think a part of that is rather than letting Springer run the show and handle the ball a lot, as you said, I think Nick Nurse is tasking Turk with saying, we need you to show growth as a, a playmaker, yeah. a passer, and all that stuff. And so that naturally is going to push Springer and guys like Ricky Council off to the side where they might get more on-ball reps otherwise. So we'll see if that dynamic changes at all as they get deeper into Las Vegas Summer League. I would agree with you. I'm, I'm mildly excited by Smith. Look, this is the type of player that I think always looks better relative to competition at Summer League where, hey, it's a guy who can create his own shot and shoot. And there are so many guys who can't do that that he really stands out. I think yeah. the good thing with him is that his catch and shoot numbers are great and his shooting mechanics generally are just effortless and yeah. super quick. Even and his misses look good. Like it just looks like a good shot. That's what I mean. It's sort of the Isaiah Joe thing when he was here too, right? Where that's kind of why people believed in him. When the shot is that pretty and it gets up that quickly, people just are going to expect you to make shots even when you're not making shots. And Turk kind of had that problem in college where at NC State, his numbers are not overwhelming. And some of that, as we've seen in summer league, is down to the shot selection, right? Mm -hmm. There are times when he's just pulling up from 30 feet because he's confident and made one shot and then expects four more to go down in a row. Yeah. And I do think the Sixers need some guys who skew a little more in that direction compared to, yep. you know, the problem with Tobias Harris as a role player for them is that he's a good shooter on paper, but doesn't always carry himself like that and doesn't have the quickest release as a, you know, guy in the corner off of Joel Embiid in the post. I think if Terquavion Smith is on the court and he has an open shot on a kick out, that ball is going up about as quickly as you could imagine. I also agree with you that the passing has been a pleasant surprise, although I would caution against putting too much hope in that just because so much of it has come on jump passes, which people will tell yeah. you in the NBA, it is dangerous to make a living as a consistent jump passer. So we'll see. Like I think all in all, I, I've been pleasantly surprised by him for a guy that's on a two-way contract that we don't even necessarily know is going to get minutes. I think he's going to generate some even more buzz in Vegas, especially if maybe Springer sits at some point and more and more minutes and opportunities open up for the new guy. So we'll see, but cautiously optimistic on him. So probably the biggest name other than Jaden Springer, but like the big kind of marquee uh, free agent undrafted rookie that they signed was Ricky Council. Um, the dude can obviously dunk like he's one of the best athletes I've seen. The official season. stole a dunk from him last night, by the way, it was a play. They said it was in the cylinder and it was oh, yeah, just yeah, that he was, was he was too athletic. That was the yeah. what happened there. That was clearly out of the cylinder. 
Yeah, I mean, the dude is a, just an absolute freak athlete. He clearly has an NBA body. Like, the Sixers don't, didn't really have a player last year on the roster with his type of just body and explosiveness. And they were a slow team last year, especially when Maxi wasn't on the floor. So who knows if Ricky Counts will actually play this year. I do think on the offensive end, he's still a bit of a work in progress. Maybe you're right that their emphasis of putting Turk Smith on the ball like impacted him somewhat. He looks like he's decent finishing around the rim. His like trying to create a shot doesn't look great or smooth to me right now. But with Nick Nurse as the head coach, if you think about the type of players he had on the Raptors, like athletic, long guys, I don't know. Maybe there's a role for him as a defender. I He's looked decent as a defender. You can probably speak better to that. But I just think he's such a clear athlete they need that in that way, maybe they will be able to find some type of role for him. Yeah, I think you can see that the half-court offense is going to be a real struggle for him yeah. as yep. he makes the transition. And that that's the whole reason he's available, right? If he had a jump shot, he's probably a fringe first round, early second round type guy. But that lack of a jumper and the lack of confidence he has in a jumper kind of has a cascading effect on everything else. And he's really strong. Like set aside that he can jump and dunk and do all that. He is cut for a guy who's, you know, coming out of college. It normally takes guys a few years to have the type of strength that he has coming out of school. So with NBA spacing, in theory, he should be able to make a living as a slasher, a cutter. I think he has not been able to do as much as a cutter at Summer League. I would say that'll probably come around just because these guys are all new playing with one another. There have been a few times where I've seen him try to make back cuts into space and somebody else is there at the same time. It's just a clear example of these guys just met each other. They've had like two or three practices and now three games together and they still are, you know, not all on the same page. I think Ricky council in a situation where he goes through a whole training camp, knows his team, knows his teammates, knows all the plays they're running. I think he has an easier time trying to make a living as an off-ball guy and doing the stuff that he can do away from the play. But I, I think you can see, and I think he's a much better finisher than he's shown through the first three games we've seen him. But if you can't shoot and teams are able to load up on you at the rim, there's only really so much you can do. You can't just you know constantly dribble right through guys or just play bully ball at the NBA yeah. level even for a guy who is strong and as athletic as he is. So I would say I'm slightly pessimistic on him after watching him a little more extensively than, you know, tracking him in college where I'm only seeing him on the odd game every so often right. and then cramming right before the draft. But yeah, I mean, clearly there's a great base to work with if they can work on that swing skill, but the swing skill is significant for him. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, again, especially on a roster like this, this is not a roster that has a lot of those type of guys. So I think that 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 increases his chances of being able to potentially play early on or at least, you know, get called up a few times and maybe get in the game. Um, any other takeaways from Summer League before we uh, before we wrap this up? Anyone else stand out to you? Javante Smart has been pretty good. I don't I think that he's somebody that they're likely to use any kind of roster spot on, but... And also, this is a guy who's been in the league for 
a little bit yeah. now. He's had he some screams, opportunities. Yeah, he screams Delaware to me. Like, I think he'll go with Delaware and be really good for them, but he has played well, I agree. Yeah, he could just be what we would call a quad A player in baseball where yeah. he's too good for this competition level, but not quite good enough to be an NBA guy. But I, I think you can clearly see he he even the shot came back to earth last night against Oklahoma City, but he was still able to do some little things. I actually noted in the recap I wrote, which by the way, writing summer league recaps is the most insane thing I do every <laughs> single year because it's just like how many of these guys matter even yeah. a little bit. Well, but I will say there was a people appreciate it. There was a play that I saw where I believe they were down 29 points in the first half and Javante Smart misses a shot. And it's one of those plays where you're getting blown out in summer league. You could easily just check out and they run the other way and score. And what's the difference between 29 or 31 points? He actually sprinted back. He gets back, helps them get a stop. They get a fast break the other way and Jaden Springer scores. Those type of plays don't mean like literally anything in the grand scheme of things for like <laughs> right. the game purposes. But if you're the Sixers or even if you're the 29 other teams, a guy who is mentally still in a game like that and competing that hard, despite the fact that you're down 29 points in the first half of a game on July 6th, that's the sort of thing you take note of because those are the type of people that I think you want in the program. And so that's that's an example of like, it doesn't really matter, but it's something that I was like, huh, that's a really positive thing to see out well, of them. And I'd like to the credit of the whole team, I will yeah, say yep. they turned that into what a game that was a laugher and it wasn't exactly the best Oklahoma City team. So a lot of it, it was just like that team they played is not that good. But credit to those guys for digging deep and saying, we don't want to lose in a blowout. And they turned one of the worst first halves in summer league history into, you know, a very interesting game by the end yeah, of it. I agree. And it made me think of the good old days when we did pods talking about how the Sixers made comebacks and why it's a reason to believe. <laughs> and unfortunately that didn't pan out. So we uh, there will be more summer league. Las Vegas is coming. Wemby plays tonight. Oh, we didn't really talk about Mo Bamba, by the way. I feel like we should. Oh yeah, spend a right. couple okay. minutes on yes, on call. Mo Bamba. Yes, um, poor Mo Bamba, so forgotten in this. So, like I said, I watched a twelve minute YouTube highlight of him. He's probably the best backup center I think the Sixers have ever had, based off that twelve minutes. Um, but in all seriousness, like he can really shoot, which, which is impressive to me. Uh, if you look at, he shoots a relatively high amount of threes for a center. I think it was almost four a game one year, like 38%. He could be a legit stretch five for them. It seems very athletic. There must be something he sucks at since he's getting paid what he's getting paid, but on paper, he checks like a player. I'm super excited about. He checks all those boxes. Yeah. I think there are multiple things he probably isn't good at where yeah, he I would imagine. He doesn't stay healthy, which was borne out in his Lakers tenure. He basically mm -hmm. didn't play at all in the playoffs with ankle issues. And if you ask him to defend in space, he's in big trouble. But he's a good shot blocker, guy with a ton of length at the rim. So if you can funnel guys toward him at the rim, he's going to help you out there on defense. To your point, he is a potential stretch five. He shot poorly in L.A. last year, but... He played like nine regular season games. Yeah. So that's like people really caring. Like that. 
Yeah, that's like carrying that Matisse Seibel shot well for Portland last year in <laughs> yeah, like 20 exactly. games. Matisse so, knew, uh, knew Matt, or no, they matched it, right? He's, he's yes, they him. did. So he's back in Portland with uh, the hipsters out there. Love I him. actually saw him in uh, Fishtown a few days ago. So I guess he's still still local while he figures this out. Still lingering. Yeah. Yeah. So Sorry, on the Bamba front, I would just say, I think at the point where they signed him, there was reason for the fan base to be like, oh, this is interesting and more optimism for what they were doing, even as the Harden thing stands out there, because him and Beverly were both buy low. Okay. Let's see what happens type of guys. And I think that's, those are the type of guys you, you take gambles on. If Mo Bamba pays off, he's a shot blocking floor spacing five, which they're really hard to get your hands on Mm -hmm. at any price, let alone on a minimum contract. And then you kind of just, take the wind out of your sails with the mantras signing. And it's like, what are they doing here? What's the plan? I I don't know what the hell is going on here. (laughs) Yeah. Good. I would just say that I think the Bamba move is an example of what they should be doing, which is saying, this is a young guy who has not delivered on his promise yet, but you can at least see the outline of this is something different. This is a guy who can grow. This is a guy who's, frankly playing for his NBA future and his next contracts. Like you get a guy at age 24, 25, who's on a minimum deal in theory, that guy's going to come out and give you the best that he's got. Now, if he stays healthy, that's another story. He's got real limitations, but those are the type of people you want to take gambles on. I think, and him alongside Paul Reed would have been, Hey, you're offering something different. Paul is more of a, he's going to play close to the basket. He's more of a switch defender rather than a true rim protector. And you're assembling some options. Having Trez in that Paul Reed spot, potentially, that kind of ruins the vibes there. But I think the Baba move is a potentially savvy move with some upside. I'm interested to see what he's able to do. Yeah, Montrez was definitely a vibe killer. But um. No, I like if you ignore that part and you just accept the fact that he was probably going to be back either way, no matter how it happened. I like the Mo Bamba signing. And I think that if he can stay healthy, like I said, I legitimately do think he's probably the best backup center they've had behind uh, Embiid. Obviously, like Andre Drummond was a good rebounder and things like that. But they've never had someone that could shoot like he does behind Embiid. Him and Paul Reed is very kind of interesting in terms of long athletic guys. Again, the Nick Nurse type of defender and athlete we think about. So I really like the signing. Of course, health is an issue, but I like it. I like Pat Bev, but Montrez is supposed to be a good vibe guy. He's just killing the vibe of the whole fan base. So <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully between now and the next time we record, there will be some type of resolution on Harden. I'm seeing tweets that Lillard is once again saying he's not even going to come to training camp if it's not with Miami. So maybe not. There's a lot of movement there, but Next time I'm we're calling back. bullshit on that, by the way. I don't I believe that for a second. I, I agree. If he got I traded agree. to some horrible team, I could buy it. If he gets traded to a good team, he's going to show up. I, I agree with that. I I am losing interest in doing that. I'd rather just keep Maxi and not deal with that headache. But they trade from, I'm sure I'll be super excited. So until next time, uh, hopefully a move to talk about. We will talk to you guys on the next pod. Not sure when that will be. Probably early next week, uh, if I had to guess. So until then, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for downloading the Odyssey app, leaving those five-star reviews. And uh, Kyle, I'll talk to you next time. Talk to you guys soon.